Alright, welcome back in everyone to the last post-game wrap-up of the 2018 season. Welcome into the Bills Beat. My name is Joe Biscali. With me as always, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And before we get started, thank you for all who reached out uh, throughout the week and asked, "Where? hey, where's the pod? I was feeling a little bit under the weather. I didn't want to get my guy sick here. So uh, instead, wait until Sunday to talk about the events that... Uh, were uncovered, and I'm and I'm kind of glad I got sick because the news about Kyle Williams didn't come out until Friday. Because so that way, I mean, we wouldn't have been able to discuss really the biggest news of perhaps the final month of the season, which is that Kyle Williams is indeed stepping away from the team after 13 years, fifth round draft pick, and uh, only with one franchise was one of uh, uh, definitely one of the best players for a long time, and he they they treated him to. A good number of ways in this, starting with right uh, at the beginning when they brought the entire team out onto the field, except for Kyle Williams. Then they introduced him, only for him to find out that his family was right there, to which he said he was an absolute wreck because he didn't know the Bills were planning that. To uh, calling an offensive play for him when he set up at tight end. And, and then as the game progressed during commercial breaks, seeing voice and and video messages from former teammates that they played on the Jumbotron. And then, of course, the curtain call at the end of the game when Sean McDermott called two kneel downs so that way he could get his offense off the field, then called a timeout so Kyle Williams could get on the field. By all accounts, this is a game that should have been a complete dump of a game between a 5-10 and and a 7-8 team just looking to get to the end of the season. But because Kyle put the terms on it that he did, it completely changed the entire complexion of the game. And that's why we saw a 42-17 win today, I think. It was, when you looked at it on the schedule a month ago, it was supposed to be an afterthought, a game that you wanted to desperately dump your ticket to. And if you made the trip to New Era Field, you got treated to a pretty great Kyle Williams day. I mean, if you're a Kyle Williams fan, this day was about as perfect as it could have been. Although, as Jerry Hughes pointed out, it would have been a little bit more perfect if Kyle Williams made a few extra moves when he caught that pass and got himself into the open field. Mm -hmm. Uh, But honestly, just great, great day for Kyle Williams, uh, you know, on the field and uh, obviously with everything going on, his final send-off, not initially how he wanted it. He said he actually thought about going into Sean McDermott's office tomorrow mm-hmm. and just quietly leaving and obviously addressing the team and talking about it and all that, but doing it in a very understated way. And his wife talked him into talking to Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott talked to the Bagulas, and as soon as that happened, it was like, no, you're going to go out you know, in, in style here a little bit. And I think... Kyle Williams appreciated it after the fact. And I think he'll appreciate it years after the fact. And not only did fans get to see that, they also got to see Josh Allen five touchdown day and probably the best performance he's had all season and an absolute beatdown of the Dolphins. So not a bad day of football uh, mm-hmm. in Western New York. And I mean, I will have to apologize at the outset here. If this podcast is a little bit brief, I mean, this day of football is going to be capped off by Blaine Gabbert on Sunday Night Football as we're recording. So if I'm a little bit, you know, 
a little bit brief in my points. You guys know why. I mean, I'm I'm clamoring to get get to the TV here. No, I know. I didn't, and we fully understand what uh, what is happening. I think the rest of the I'm getting live uh, live updates here on Twitter uh, uh, from people. So I, I'm in good shape. Uh, I appreciate the listeners who are uh, feverishly sending updates, not only about Blaine Gabbert's uh, performance, but his mustache and beard, which Oof. is. Uh, probably the the more impressive part of, of his game. Which, by the way, they're currently down seven to nothing at the yeah, end of the first quarter. The a lot of about, ball game. The one thing about Blaine is when he's down, he's never out, and and I've often said that about him. Well, he, go, if we can get away from Blaine Gabbert for a second, uh, I know how much that pains you. Um, just going back to Kyle Williams, I I posed this question to Tim Graham, and you know I'm only 32 years old, and. You know, I've lived in Buffalo for the majority of my life, but I, I guess I don't know about all the guys from yesteryear. But I wondered this, just based on watching Kyle since 2000, uh, what was it, 2007, 2006, um, watching him for all that time and seeing how he how he developed and what he developed into and for how long he sustained that, that, uh, that I guess, brand of play and type of ability and just absolutely wrecking offensive lines at almost by the game. Thinking about all of that, I wondered, I'm not sure there's been a better defensive tackle in Bill's history. Now, some people will discuss, just from an on-field perspective, that is. Some people will say Fred Smurlis. Some people will bring up Pat Washington, or Ted Washington, or Pat Williams. Sam uh, Adams. <laughs> the brief tenure of Sam Adams, perhaps. but Marcus Stroud. <laughs> all all that said, I mean, you factor in Kyle Williams being in the organization for 13 years, being as good as he was for the for as long as he he was. And even though the last couple of years weren't the best, like he was still playing at an above average level, you just you don't stumble upon players that have that type of longevity at that level of play. So I don't know. With due respect to Fred Smurlis and and Williams and or Pat Williams and uh, Ted Washington and John Marcus McCargo. Stroud, John McCargo, Terrell Troop, Corbin I, Bryant. I, I think I think Stephon Charles. I think Kyle's at the top of the list. I really do. Well, you know what was cool about today and not many guys. I mean, think about how Eric Wood, you know, stepped aside. Unfortunately, kind of being forced. To, to retire due to injury and then uh, having a not so great press conference, you know, didn't really get the send off he deserved. Uh, you look at Fred Jackson got cut and then, you know, he came back to retire, but it wasn't, you know, the, it, he wasn't, it wasn't the same emotional moment because he wasn't still on the bills and, and, you know, kind of in the heart of it. Those are the few, you know, kind of retirements I've been up close to two guys that I think were, Probably the two two of the most important figures of this era of Bills football, along with Kyle Williams, and this one was right. You know, this one I think was executed very well. I mean, Kyle Williams gets to walk away when he could still be one of you know he could still be that guy that you're talking about for them. That you know, that potentially the best defensive tackle in franchise history. Mm-hmm. He could continue to build on that next year, uh, you know, injury permitting. He has the talent to put together another productive season, even in a, 
you know, maybe more diminished role or whatever. He still has the talent, but he gets to walk away a little bit banged up, but with, you know, his body intact, uh, five kids, uh, you know, he's on top of it right now in Mm -hmm. terms of a a lot of things. And then the way today went where he knew, you know, he's doing this where he's acting with conviction. He's thought about this for a while, as opposed to, I think a lot of us thought, you know, earlier this season that he would be, you know, he would probably take some time after the season to really think about it and then maybe decide to retire. I respect that he came to this decision, knew it was time. You never would have known by the way he was playing on the field that he knew he was going to be calling it quits because he still played at a very high level. But I think it was just nice for him to be able to, to go out this way. There's something cool about knowing when it's going to be the last game where a lot of guys don't know that and probably the majority don't know when it will be the last game and some guys retire because nobody wants them anymore but this was not the case for Kyle Williams and to do it at home in front of these fans some pretty cool moments I think it would have been pretty cool if he had had, uh, thrown a pass yeah I I was I, I actually said that to Brian Dable after the game as he was coming through the tunnel. I was like, you didn't have the didn't have the balls to throw him a throw him a pass. <laughs> and he laughed because on the play they threw to Kyle Williams, Charles Clay was pretty open. But they were Dable wanted that play yeah, to Kyle sure. Williams badly. And earlier this week I told him, you know, you gotta hand the ball to Kyle Williams. It was a pretty popular play last year and he was laughing about it. And as it turns out, it's because he had something even better planned. First career reception for for Kyle Williams, which was Supposed to be down near the goal line, I believe Sean McDermott said. Uh, it was supposed to be a goal line play to try to get him a touchdown, but mm. as they got late in the game, they weren't sure if they would you know, get down there, so they just, Dayball was antsy to run it, and uh, <laughs> that was a, a pretty cool moment. It was also pretty funny because Kyle like, face-planted on yeah. the play. He took a pretty hard hit, but he got a lot of action uh, on that side of the ball. He sure did, and I also, hat tip to Brian Dable because... Everybody in the stadium knew when Kyle Williams came in on that goal line attempt that everyone flashed back to the last year when he scored the touchdown and the Dolphins were probably like, oh God, here we go again. Line up for him. Damon was like, yeah, let's throw Kyle out there. Call QB sneak. Savage move by, by Brian Dable. But hey, Kyle he, he took advantage of the moment. Kyle Williams did get to spike it afterwards. He did. So uh, he can't totally complain there. But uh, And then he even got a curtain call which is like pretty unheard of in football to get mm-hmm. that type of moment. As I was standing in the tunnel watching that last play, before the curtain call, I thought, oh man, he's, he's going to get the Brett Favre uh, treatment, you know, where they kind of gave him, you know, Brett Favre kind of dove on the ground right. uh, for the for the sack. I thought Ryan Tannehill would maybe uh, tip, his, tip his cap to Kyle Williams and give him a sack, but uh, that was even better, I think, that, you know, it kind of spoke to the whole experience where he was able to walk away. And that's very rare in football as opposed to some other sports. And McDermott, after the fact, I don't know if he said this in his main press conference, but when I chatted with him after the fact in the one-on-one that we do every week, um, he said he was praying that he would have an opportunity to give Kyle Williams that curtain call moment. And, it, you know, it, a, a lot 
has to go into that. I mean, you have to be up by a solid amount late in the game. You have to have the ball and and be able to to do just that. And it worked out perfectly to where it was under two minutes to go. They just kneeled the ball down a couple times, called a timeout immediately after the defense went on the field, and then and then Kyle Williams had his moment. And then he proceeded to have thirty more minutes where he lots of more moments. He did what I think a bunch of reporters are calling the. Uh, the Cal Ripken move where he went around the entire lower bowl of, of New Era Field, but he was just soaking up every moment. And it was uh, as as Harrison Phillips was just standing at the, the tunnel uh, end zone watching him go through this. And, I mean, he's... I don't know about you. Since Friday, Phillips has just... Like he's just looked like a lost puppy at this point. I he's he's to sad. Him in the locker room after the game, and I actually felt bad because every question I asked seemed to make him more emotional. You know, tears in his eyes because I was like, you know, who who gives the pregame speeches now? And and when I asked him that, it was almost like I had just like ripped his heart out of his chest. He was he, he was like, oh man, I, I don't I don't even know. And I was like, all right, Harrison, it's all right. Like, have a good night. You know, mm-hmm. but. He, he was pretty beat up. And Kyle got not only that lap, but when he came in, you know, they had closed the locker room to the media. Um, typically, I mean, they're supposed to open it 10 minutes after the game ends, but they were like, yeah, we're not going to do that because they were waiting for Kyle to get in there. And as he walked in with his kids, um, everybody was still in equipment. You know, staff members were all there. Everybody was standing up waiting for him to give him a standing ovation and, I mean, you could go down the list of the moments. It was really just a picture-perfect finish for uh, you know a guy that many people would consider their their favorite Bill, and and certainly of this era, I think you know he's a guy that a lot of people will remember to start your career as a fifth-round pick and stay with one team for 13 seasons, and maybe even get to finish it off in the Pro Bowl, depending mm-hmm. on how things shake out. Is uh, it? It's pretty cool. And Sean McDermott, how about him saying, yeah, I think the Bills should retire his number. If I had the only vote, Kyle Williams' number should be retired, which probably means you won't see anyone lined up in 95 next year because McDermott won't allow it. No, which I, has been the... Pre- I mean, no one has gotten... No one had gotten 34, uh, tw- uh, 12 before they retired those numbers. Same thing with 78. No one still gets... 32 for for OJ Simpson and that's just kind of a, an unspoken even though OJ's number isn't uh retired no one gets 32 so Didn't I w- James Wilder have it or am I crazy no he had like 40 I think yeah I think you're right um but I mean 95 might fall into that distinction I mean who else who else gets that sort of treatment I mean he was Sean McDermott the, loves Kyle. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and as do the Pagulas. I mean, the entire organization does, loves McDermott, the guy. For a guy who's only been here for two years, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody saw the the speech um, when Kyle let the team know on Friday, and you could, you know, Sean McDermott telling that story from the Pro Bowl. I mean, these guys are kind of kindred spirits in a way, uh, the way they work and and what they believe in and the attitude they bring day in and day out. And you can tell that Kyle means a lot. That was the most, on Friday when Sean talked, that was the most emotional 
I've seen him in that setting. Oh yeah, he wasn't calculated at all he at was, that point. And, and but legit like seemed somewhat choked up at times and not just a, a rare side of him. Uh, obviously he's heated at times or you know not pleased at times, but in terms of just raw emotion, Friday was real because Kyle means a lot to him and I, I think you know that's a, a hole that's not easy to fill from a leadership standpoint. But, you know, it's still, I think they're all kind of, you know, thankful that Kyle got, Kyle knows, you know, he's doing this with a good deal of conviction. And I think that's important for, you know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean both said, you know, once a guy knows, you don't want to talk him out of it. Because, you know, at that point, you know, as long as somebody's thought it through, you want to let them go on their way and. Um, you know, he wants to be with his family and all that. So, you know, people are, uh, everybody's kind of on board with Kyle on this one. So it was cool, especially like you said, otherwise we would have been talking about what, right. You know, I mean, people, Josh Allen's five touchdown day. He did have a nice five touchdown day, but does he have a five touchdown day? If it's not such an emotionally charged, perhaps not, you know, I mean, they were fired up the dolphins. They did put up a fight there for a second, but this was this was going to be the Bills' day because yeah. you know it was about Kyle Williams and they weren't going to you know lay an egg uh, on his final day. So it seemed like a pretty easy betting line if you understood the enormity of the situation for the players and the emotions going into the game. I mean, it is rare, and especially considering the Dolphins just got eliminated from playoff contention last year. They're coming up north to where it just snowed overnight. I mean, it's just it all plays into the fact that. This was a blowout waiting to happen, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and so that was, I I think, you know, the cool part about today. It brought a lot of significance to a game that otherwise wouldn't have had a ton. Uh, And if Josh Allen threw, or you know, had five total touchdowns even without Kyle retiring, that would have been uh, pretty noteworthy in and of itself. But to have this on top of it, and I talked to some guys about. Kyle's pregame speech because he's become known for those you know they especially now that they post them online and things like that people get a peek inside and guys say like you can watch the videos but you you don't know like until you're standing there feeling it and today it was funny because they were you know Wyatt Teller was saying you know I think what Wyatt Teller said that stuck out to me the most was you would think at this point as football players, especially when it's your job, you would be so desensitized to all of it. Like it, the pregame speech wouldn't work on you because you've heard so many, you've heard all the all the different cliches people use or you know different rah-rah techniques to get people fired up. But he's like, man, Kyle still hit home pretty hard. And today it was about Kyle was Kyled out. He said, I'm all Kyled out, which I think there's probably a segment of the fan base saying the same thing, right? There's so much attention on Kyle Williams and Kyle Williams was sick of all the attention on Kyle Williams. And he said he wanted it to be about the young guys, about the the future and, and, you know, guys just going out there and, and kicking the dolphins ass. And I think in a way today was the perfect blend of saying farewell to Kyle Williams and then looking at what else the bills have to be excited about in the future. You know, you've got a guy who was the quintessential Bill walking away from the game, but then you've got Josh Allen having five total touchdowns in probably his best game of the season. 
Zay Jones scoring two touchdowns and almost hitting 100 yards. Robert Foster getting another touchdown. Tremaine Edmonds playing maybe his best game of the season. Trey White getting an interception. All first or second year guys playing huge roles in this win. That's your core mm-hmm. right there. I yep. mean, maybe you you say Robert Foster isn't part of that core, but I don't know. Like, he probably is he probably next is. year. He probably At is. Least. And I think he's earned that right. And you're I mean, those are that's not a bad little nucle- nucleus to build around. It's guys that you didn't you know, some of which you didn't know you would have. Um, you know, and even there's certain guys out there playing Levi Wallace and guys like that that are maybe giving you at the very least competition and depth moving forward. It's a much different situation heading into this offseason as opposed to last offseason when they were desperate to strip things down to get a quarterback, still shedding salaries, still putting a lot of dead money on the cap. This year it's cleaned up. They have a lot of their guys, a lot of younger guys that are developing and at least growing into depth roles to provide competition and everything else you can fill in around it. And, you know, I don't I don't know that the Bills could have asked for any better of a way because you discussed a few of the guys there. But when you have almost this ceremonial passing of the torch to where you have this long-standing guy in the locker room that they want everybody to look look up to, and by many accounts, a lot of the guys in there look up to him, and, and people throughout the organization have been doing that for many years on end. And, and to kind of see... All of the youth bring uh, bring all of their potential to the forefront in this one day. Now, granted, the Dolphins, outside of a little bit of time in the second quarter, really just, what was it, three minutes where it was the pick six and, the, and then they march it down for the touchdown. Outside of that, they didn't bring much to the table. That notwithstanding, when you have guys like, like you brought up, Robert Foster, Zay Jones, Tremaine Edmonds picking off a pass. Tredavious White jumping around to pick off a pass. Levi Wallace looking good with a, with a couple of passes broken up. And then that's that's coupled with Josh Allen actually getting some time in the backfield. The Bill Shaq Lawson, by the way, two sacks and a forced fumble that that forced a uh, uh, that forced a turnover for the Bills. All of these things are uh, go into what they're building to. And perhaps Kyle Williams feels a little bit better about. 2019 and he's a little bit forlorn about stepping away right now because he understands this this year was necessary for them and and he even said that he he lines up uh, he he spoke with both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and their vision for what they want to do is exactly how he would want to do it and for him that hurts a little bit because he sees that they're probably going to make bigger strides next year when they have better talent in in the roster but it's almost as though he can walk away seeing what they just did in week 17 and go, or maybe they'll be okay. Maybe they'll be all right without me, as opposed to like if they would have gotten their doors blown off in the final game because he didn't tell anybody that he was retiring. And, and, then, uh, and then he would just go away into the night without, without letting any, anyone know, like Kyle Orton. Yeah, he couldn't go out like Kyle Orton. No. That wouldn't have been right to a lot of people. And I, I think he recognized ultimately, you know, this type of thing isn't really him, right? To get all the attention on him and that type of thing. It's never really been his style, but I think he wanted to do it for the fans and for his family. He mentioned, you know, wanting to have these moments with his kids uh, that they can look back on and remember or, uh, you know, at least look at pictures and kind of spark their memory a little bit in the case of 
maybe not being, uh, you know, old enough to fully remember what it was like. It was kind of funny in the locker room. He had his three sons with him. And after a few minutes, they're kind of slumped in the uh, into the locker, like kind of not really paying attention to what's going on. He's kind of just dad to them, you know, and he they're like, oh, dad, can you hold my Gatorade? You know, dad, can you put this thing on the phone so I can watch this or whatever? They're in, so it's probably a little bit too big for them at the at the time, but um, pretty cool for him to have kids that are old enough to at least experience some of this with him, be on the field before the game. That'll be stuff that he'll carry with him for a while. And like you said, stuff he wouldn't have been able to had he gone off quietly into the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they, they did it the right way. And I, I think he recognized that after the fact. I mean, he didn't walk off the field until 5.30 or so, about an hour and a half after the game ended. It was uh, He had a lot of people up from Louisiana. And, you know, they were there were a lot of finals, final moments, the final drive to the stadium, the final pregame speech, the final walk through the tunnel. And, um, you know, I think it, a lot of people will remember that moment in the locker room last year when they clinched the playoffs, rightfully so, when he had his kids with him and clearly making the playoffs, I think meant more to Kyle Williams and probably Eric Wood than anybody else in there, just because I don't think anybody else appreciated the gravity of the playoff drought. But I think this day will be right up there for a lot of people when they think of Kyle Williams because of how it all went uh, from start to finish for him. All right, well, let's, eh, let's, let's discuss Josh a little bit because, I mean, five touchdowns, nothing to sneeze at. Again, Dolphins were pretty terrible on defense today, but you know, five touchdowns, two of which on the ground, and 95 yards rushing. Accounted for, what was it, 319 total yards of offense today. And completed 64% of his passes. What up to the non-completion or the completion percentage folk out there. But this, I'm, I want to go back and look exactly how he arrived, arrived at those numbers and, and, and how... It all happened just from the coach's film, but at first glance, it seemed like he was he was slinging it. And outside of the one really bad mistake where he stared down his target and the safety jumped down and picked off the pass for a touchdown, that was really the most egregious of errors. Maybe the 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 push pass that was called for intentional grounding, where he just kind of whipped it. Maybe maybe leave that one out, but everything else was pretty solid for him today. I think the most encouraging part of the performance actually was the pick six in a way because that was bad. That was maybe one of his worst plays of the season. And the encouraging part was the Dolphins tie the game. It's at the end of the half. It had the potential to be one of those disaster moments that can unravel an afternoon. And it didn't. I mean, he bounced back and came out slinging in the second half, had three of his touchdowns in the second half and you know it's it's one of those things that you want to see from a young quarterback you know being able to rebound from those moments is important because mm-hmm. that shows and he's shown that a lot this year after bad moments they don't affect him too much and i think that is such a good quality to have for a young quarterback any quarterback really but a quarterback his age with so much going wrong around him because of the talent around him for him to throw that pick six 
give the Dolphins, I mean, 14 unanswered points to tie the score up. It looked like, uh-oh, this maybe the Dolphins aren't going to go away so quietly. And then, you know, they put them away in the second half. Obviously, it wasn't all Josh Allen, but his confidence did not waver. And he continued to push the ball downfield, continued to make big plays with his legs. And to do that after making what could have been a catastrophic mistake, I think, is the most encouraging part about his afternoon, to be honest. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Allen goes into the offseason on a high note, especially after what happened in Week 16 against the Patriots, where he looked a bit of a a shell of himself compared to what we saw from him post-injury, post-bye week. He just just didn't seem like the same guy. He kind of figured it out in the second half a little bit, but by that point, they weren't able to do too much on the offensive side of things, and it, it just, it never really clicked for them, but... Today, it definitely did. And now, I guess you have to look into what's next for him and, and for them because he's definitely challenged the opinion of a lot of people out there. And I know we've discussed this quite a bit, but for him to do what he's done over the course of the last six weeks, that provides... The optimism that provides people thinking, well, the Bills might actually be onto something. And pairing that with a top ten draft pick, a a boatload of cap space going into free agency, a pick in each of the first three rounds, and and then you know an additional seven more picks from rounds four through seven. It's all. It all leads people to think, hey, maybe they, they might be able to, to do some damage next year. And you know what? I don't know if I can stand in the way of that thought process. And it, it's very early. We need to see what they do with all those resources and if there's actually going to be players available to them that can make the type of impact that they need. But it's hard to think that they're going to go out there and field a roster that's less talented than what they did through the entirety of 2018. It's... I think it's going to be night and day from a from a talent perspective. They they just they know the job that they have to do. You can tell Bean and McDermott have, they wanted to progress their young guys, but that you can tell they've been champing at the bit to get to the off season to add the pieces and to finally fulfill the vision that they had when they when they came together last year um, when Bean was hired as GM. So. This is this is not over, and, and I know some people out there have kind of put out there, um, just just off to the side, saying, "Look, McDermott and Bean, they got to turn things around, or they might not see 2020." I don't think that's the case. I really don't. And with the progress that they made with such a bad roster in in 2018, the type of players they're probably going to add in 2019, they're going to have at least until the end of 2020 to figure this whole thing out. And this is just. Another step. And again, just like last year, every promise that they've made, ownership has come true to this point. They've they've gotten they made the playoffs. They've gotten the quarterback. They've gotten their quarterback of the defense. They have a, a good feeling around around town about their franchise and, and where it's headed. They kept all their draft picks for, for this upcoming year. They've seen significant progress from their rookie quarterback. So it all leads you to one spot, which is I, I think a maybe not dramatic improvement, but 
a pretty substantial improvement next year is to be expected. I don't think the pressure is on significantly in 2019. I think there will be a lot more pressure for results in general than this year. I think, you know, there were so many times this year covering the team, it was just kind of a a weird balance because you knew the results weren't that important. But you still have to kind of, as we talked about early in the season, it can be hard to figure out when you recognize results aren't important, but that's what makes it hard to differentiate between whether the plan is going off the rails or whether it's just part of the, the building process. I think as you sit here now, six and 10, you can probably say it looks more like part of the building process because the arrow went up at the end of the year when Josh Allen got back in the lineup. And I think now that there is that hope around this team again, there will be some pressure for results in 2019. But I don't know that I would say either of those guys are on the hot seat. I mean, obviously in the NFL, things change quickly and and things can fall apart uh, and change everything. But you look around the division, the Dolphins are going to be looking for potentially a new coach, GM, and quarterback. The Jets just fired Todd Bowles. They'll be looking for a new coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that'll mean Sam Darnold has to learn a new offense. So the Bills, at the very least, can sit here and say, hey, at least we don't have to hit the reset button. And we're building towards something. Now, the one reason I'm a little hesitant on the upside, I guess, of the 2019 team is when you take a quick glance at the free agent class, you don't exactly, uh, you know, get overly excited about the options they have to fix the offensive line and to fix the wide receiver spot. Quincy Anunwa just got signed. I mean, you know, re-signed by the Jets. So that's one of the top options. And it was Quincy Anunwa. So the free agent wide receivers aren't great. Free agent wide receivers are going to have the option of going to the Colts and the Jets, who both have good young quarterbacks and a ton of cap space. So, But what I do think all that in mind is that they're also set up beyond them because of what they've done the first two years. And I think Brandon Bean, because they're, you know, because these guys aren't necessarily under the gun in 2019, will be a little bit more patient and maybe not throw a ton of cash at the top receiver on the market just because he's the top receiver on the market. They'll still be smart and calculated about what they're doing with that money. And 2020, they'll probably have even more money. And that's how you set yourself up to stack good seasons on top of each other is when you have the flexibility to spend and you have the money to sign guys that you draft that are good. So it'll be an interesting offseason because they do have you know the resources to make this roster significantly better. But they also have the chance to make the team better in future years down the road and I think trying to get it all in the 2019 offseason would be a miscalculation, and I don't think it's one that they'll make because I think they recognize they didn't do what they did to the roster the last two years just to sell out and try to win in 2019. They did it to try to sustain it year after year, and mm-hmm. so they'll throw some money at guys. They, they may, you know, I, I, I've mentioned Tyrell Williams as a receiver that makes some sense for them, but ultimately there's not this glut of talent 
at receiver and offensive line on the free agent market where you say they'll get theirs. They'll, they should be able to upgrade because, as you said, it would hard to be uh, less talented on the offensive line and at some other spots than they were this year. But they still have to be a little bit patient and a little bit calculated with everything so that they don't ruin you know, the progress that they made on the salary cap. Yeah, they have to be careful. And they can't go out Doug Whaley the joint. That's That's to be clear. I mean... There were plenty of bad contracts signed, and and their cap space can still get better too because they've got Vlad Dukas they can walk away from. They've got Russell Bodine, Charles Clay, Lashawn McCoy if they're so inclined. I mean, those are really the the core four of of players. I might be forgetting one, but there those are. I mean, Trent Murphy you can make an argument for, but that's probably not going to happen. So this is uh, this is. It could creep into $100 million of cap space, but there's also this. They don't have to use it all, right? I mean, Right, because then you have you, that you can, money for 2020. You, you can roll it over. You can your yeah. guys. I mean, I think the more exciting part is, you know, what do they get in the draft? Well, you know, what, what can mm-hmm. you get as, a, as an offensive lineman with a top 10 pick or a wide receiver with a top 10 pick or even a, a defensive player? And, you know, those picks in the first three rounds – are always so so crucial. And you think about the talent that will be available at wide receiver in this draft, there are a lot of good players. And that's where you're better off than if you throw all your money at Devin Funchess or Quincy Anunua or whoever. You know, I still think they'll they'll throw some money at a vet, uh, you know, just to just because they have to. I mean the the guys they have right now uh, aren't as great. But I think Robert Foster, you know, developing and Zay Jones showing signs of life, you know, makes you all the you know that much more patient right you know you don't have to necessarily unload all your cap space on receivers who aren't worth it when you're not quite as desperate at the position as you were uh you know even a few months ago still it's still a need don't get me wrong but i, I think the, the development of those guys makes them a little less desperate offensive line i would classify as mildly desperate um, yeah. From center yeah. a lot is over to the right, it's there's not much hope. There's three expiring contracts in Ryan Groy, John Miller, and Jordan Mills, and three pretty mediocre players, to put it kindly. At least on the other side, in Wyatt Teller and Deion Dawkins, you've got some youth and you've got got those guys under team control. Mm-hmm. They they're a little bit desperate on the offensive line. I think that's the the bigger issue. That and tight end, uh, you know, they got they got things to do on the offensive side, but throwing all the money at once is certainly not the way to go. And I think they're set up. I don't think it's their philosophy to do it. You know, let's not forget Brandon Bean has said many times you won't see them, you know, breaking the bank in crazy ways in free mm-hmm. agency. So there will still be. I know people are excited about the offseason. I just say be a little bit. Patient if the the big free agent signings aren't there. A, it's because there's not that many guys at positions that they need um, that would be huge splashy upgrades. Um, and also, it's because of their their somewhat calculated approach. I think the draft is probably the more exciting of the part of this off season in some ways. And we're going to get into a lot. As we go on, just because the season ends, just a reminder to those that were not with us last off season. Just we don't because, really like the draft. No, nah, we hate it. Maybe uh, no. In the off season, we do not say, "All right, no more season, no more pod." 
talk to you in July. It's not like that. We, we still record once a week, and, and we dive deep into these topics. How many times did we discuss each one of the quarterback prospects over, over the past, uh, well, really in the draft process and free agency, everything like that? So Too much, some would say. An unhealthy amount, even. But that's what we're here for. We're here to you know, scratch the itch for you as you Bills enthusiasts out there. And, and, and we've been really humbled by how much you all have helped make us grow by being so, so nice. I mean, just randomly, I was, um, I was out at a, at a restaurant on Saturday and a guy who lived in San Francisco and moved to New York just out of nowhere bolted over he's like hey dude love the pot so steve from frisco and uh and new york thank you for coming up and saying those things and and a lot of you are are just all saying just incredibly nice things and helping us grow but but you know that's because you guys have an insatiable hunger for all of for all of the bills information so and we're, all of the blank gabbard information oh, good which Lord. by the way he just picked up a gain of 17 the, the titans are cooking with gas and so thanks to all the listeners who constantly <laughs> remind me when Blaine Gabbard... I don't even have to look if he's playing because I get reminded constantly. As do I. <laughs> I feel like I've created a an army of Blaine Gabbert fans that surpass myself. You need a name for it. The Blainites? It's, the uh, the Gabertians? It's a, it's, it's a movement. And I think we need t-shirts. The Gabbertons? We do have jerseys to give away this up. Yeah, we do. Sneak, um, sneak preview. Uh, yeah, and uh, friend of the pod, Joe from New York. You might know him as Buffalo Wins. He has to He be, insists we he call him Joe. Joe from New York. I think he gets offended when I call him Buffalo Wins. <laughs> but he, he came to Buffalo. We met him out for a beer. And he's like, look, I got tons of jerseys. and We may have had two beers. Who's to say? Yeah. It's really none of your business. <laughs> well, I mean, somewhat. It's somewhat their business, but there are some gems in there. So we're going to run some contests. Jerseys. Yeah, we're going to run some contests as the off season goes along. But the off season isn't here yet. We've got more awards to give out. Damn it! Maybe we should have a customized Bills Blaine Gabbert jersey to give away. That's, that's that would be. That's something. you're you're just bringing up ideas. My brain is just going a mile a minute here. Mid podcast, a bit reckless. Tweet me if, if you're interested. Perhaps <laughs> we can. Uh, I don't know what we would do with it, but I think it would be. A, I think that would be a treat. All right, let's give out some awards, shall we? Um, all right, we're gonna. I'm. Let's start off with the Dre Archer and uh, Vontae Davis. Um, I'll, th- I'll I'll take I'll take Vontae Davis. You go you go with Dre Archer and do it to your heart's content. Dre Archer. I mean, we might as well rename it the Charles Clay, should we not? <laughs> I mean, he's not even on the game book. He had the one catch that was called back. He didn't do anything. He, yeah, he had the one catch that would have went for for a solid chunk of yardage, and it was called back on a penalty. Yeah, I I, I mean that was it though. Went without really a did whimper. A, a whole lot of nothing. So I feel kind of like I'm cheating the listeners by going back to the Charles Claywell, but it really may have to become the, the Charles Clay Award. He, they actually gave him, they made him active, mm-hmm. gave him the start, you know, against his former team on what it was probably his final game as a Bill. 
and he did nothing. <laughs> so it was kind of fitting of uh, fitting of the Charles Clay era. I'm, I'm laughing because I just got a tweet as you were talking right there that said, "Okay, Joe Piscali and Matthew Fairburn, if you're late releasing the pod because you're waiting to see how Blaine Gabbert performs, I'm gonna have to say this thing has gone too far." <laughs> I would agree, Mikey. Thank you for chiming in that way. I'm not way. sure it's gone far enough, oh, quite geez. frankly. All right. Uh, let's give away the Vontae Davis Award. I'm going to give it to Kiko Alonso. Like, hey, he was nowhere to be seen in the second half because he was a freaking idiot. But that tried to uh, back kick Josh Allen in the face. How about that? It's always him. It's always him. What is? What goes on in his mind? Why does he think these things are okay? Nothing. I know. I, in his mind would be my guess. Yikes. He's quite the dummy. Yikes. And to think about some of the things people have done to obtain his jersey. <sighs> Reprehensible. Shaking yeah. my head. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the uh, Matt Barkley Award. And Matthew, I know you got a special one for this. I do have... Uh, I had a, a good Matt Barkley Award in mind because, you know... In some ways, I fear we've become predictable because people tweet at us certain things where they think, surely this will be, you know, a good come on, Darlene. And many of you tweeted at us about the topless man with Thank You Kyle written uh, on his big old belly. Without punctuation that, or an exclamation point. No, it was pretty... Or did it... Was it Thanks, Kyle? Or was it, was it, thanks, Kyle. it was Thanks, Kyle. It was Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> it kind of... I was reading it in the tone of Thanks, Obama. <laughs> He and looked, he also had face paint on. He looked quite sad. Uh, Prescott <laughs> Rossi, our good pal, uh, tweeted out the the picture. And Which, by the way, lots of uh, popular media folks stole it and didn't give him credit. Bad on you. Guys. Bad on you because Prescott had that. Anyway. Prescott, friend of the show. Thanks, Prescott, for the picture. I'm giving that guy the Matt Barkley Award because he came out of nowhere on my Twitter feed. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. It kind of made my afternoon. And... Quite frankly, all you guys giving that man the come on, Darlene, he was just trying to thank Kyle. You know, he was just thanking Kyle in the only way he knew how. It's quite cold out, and um, you're probably thinking I'm a bit of a hypocrite for giving the guy in Green Bay, uh, upper deck man boob man, a come on, Darlene, and giving this guy Matt Barkley Award, but too bad. Yeah, and we've got some saucy come on, Darlene's to end end the season. I mean, these things are good. Um, And I had a great one. And then I'm like, I can't do that one anymore because I found one that topped it. I don't even know how it happened. I'm, I'm going to let you lead off with the come on, darling. I'm going to let you lead off, actually. Really? Because you... I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with the one you think I'm going to go with, but I have to rack my brain just to make sure. It's the final one of the, All right. the season, so i got to make sure. All right. Well, my come on, Darlene. I was... All ready to, to, give, to give my come on, Darlene, to one certain thing. And then... I got back from the post-game festivities, got back up to the, uh, to the press box, and before I sat down to start writing, I'm like, eh, I gotta go to the bathroom. Just to, you know, you don't, you don't want to sit down and start something when, you know, you, 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 gotta, are a miss. you gotta take a piss. Um, but when I went to go into the bathroom, the first stall was occupied, so I'm like, okay. And then I, I heard... A man grumble in there, going blah 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 blah, and I'm like, "Well, that's just weird. like that." Some, it's all kind of hazy now, but there was a grumble involved. So there are three stalls. The middle one was 
obviously right next to the person that was occupying the first one. So I'm not going to take that one because, you know, etiquette. So I go to the third one. Doors wide open. Walk in there. Go to, go to take a pee. And all of a sudden, I see a man with his pants down, the ass is out, and it was just, it was, it was all there for the showing. Like, he was taking a piss? I don't know. I, like, I, I saw, I saw the, the full moon, and I'm like, all right, gotta go. And I, and I left the bathroom completely. I didn't even go to the bathroom at all. I didn't even go to the middle Have one. Have on yet? I, I did. But I didn't even go to the middle one. And it's like, what? You, first of all, if you're taking a pee, why are your pants all the way down to your knees? In a public bathroom. Gotta be safe. Second, I guess so. Second of all, why on earth are you leaving the door totally agape? What? Here's another question. Who did it? That was in the press box. Well, here's here's a question. Why are you taking a piss in the stall when there's three perfectly good urinals in the same bathroom? Well. I think you were asking for it. Well. Counterpoint. Why is that man doing Counterpoint. It? I wasn't sure if I had to do more. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Fair? I'll allow it. That's a, a reasonable explanation. Maybe that man wasn't sure if he had to do more. But still, close the door! <laughs> and probably you want your ass facing the other way if you, in if, case you need to do more. If you're going to drop trow in that situation, you'd want to make sure the door is secure. Would you not? Unless you're just from a nudist colony, in which case, good on you. But I, I think everyone in the press box was fully clothed today. I think you, you have to recognize that each time we walk into this press box, we're surrounded by just some... Behemoths! Yes. <laughs> yes, Neanderthals, uh, you could say. What? Let's, the- let us not forget the ass-ripping press box, man. Right! I mean, there, there are some, some savages. I don't even know how to, how to name this guy. Like, pants to his ankles. Full moon. Bathroom full moon stall guy. guy. Yeah, I don't know. My God. I feel like you may, may need therapy after this. I, 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 dude, I'm not even kidding. I was out the door in, in a half a second. I'm like, I can't... Like, because he obviously knew that someone had kind of turned the corner to it. Probably didn't see me. But then, and I can, I'm not going to stand in the stall and, and be there to be like, oh, hey, saw your ass. No, oh, I hightailed it out of there. This is a, this is that's a, the coward's way out. That's a, no, it's a weird way to end the 2018 season is what it is. So come on, Darlene, to that person to for A, not closing the door, and B, just having your ass out. Just come on, Darlene. What are you doing? Fair enough. All right, you're up. I'm going to go... I'm going to go in the direction that... Have we had Rodak on the bracket? No. No, we haven't. Has he been... He has not been on the bracket? He has not. Well, he earned it. uh, (laughs) At the buzzer. The come on, Darlene, for me this week, goes to Mike Rodak. I almost... I was in danger of giving it to myself, as you remember, as I once again gave horrible fantasy advice. Which now is... I'm just going to give come on, Darlene, to whoever takes my fantasy advice, (laughs) because it's always so bad. But... Come on, Darlene goes to Mike Rodak, who, for whatever reason, perhaps he was too busy shaking his pom-poms over Alabama's victory last night, 
But this morning he woke up and forgot to shave his soul patch, as as he put it. His words, not mine. <laughs> now, I've known Mike for, what, four years yeah. now? Five? Was this my fifth season? Maybe. I don't know. 14, 15, You tell season. me. 14, 15, This was season, my ninth 15. season. Fifth season. So I've known Michael J. Rodak for nearly five years. I didn't even know he had a soul patch because apparently he keeps it well-groomed. I would like to go back to living in a world where I don't know that Michael J. Rodak has a soul patch. It was just a heinous sight. Thank God for all you people out there. He didn't have to do any sort of video today or anything else. And, man, if that's what it looks like after he forgets to shave it one morning, then I don't want to know what it would look like after a week. He looked like... Because I was sitting next to him, and it, it was it was a bad look. He looked like he should be wearing one of those weird like Aussie hats that that have a brim but he's wearing it backwards it doesn't exactly uh, I forget the, the proper term for it but it's something an early 90s person would wear prominently with a sweater um, tied around their waist in a in a Seattle based coffee shop now, with a soul patch now that I was Rodak say, today I will say this is not a come on Darlene to all soul patches no because if you can pull it off by right. all means. But I think there are everybody some who elegant listens to this AF podcast, soul patches out I think there. everybody who listens to this podcast knows damn well that <laughs> Mike Rodak cannot pull off a soul patch. No. And that's what we learned today. In case there was any doubt, he proved that that was the case today. So my final come on, Darlene, of the season goes to Michael Rodak. I got to say, I think this week 17 come on, Darlene, home run. I think this might be one of our strongest. Outside the of the bracket, will tell all. Yeah, that's true. But it, it, there's going to be a lot of bad matchups. You know what the worst part is? I haven't been documenting it, so I have to go back and listen to each episode. So maybe come on, Darlene, to me for that secondary. Come on, Darlene. Maybe there's somebody out there who has been documenting. That would be incredible, absolutely incredible. But I no, I'm not asking you to do that. Uh, uh, tertiary, uh, come on, Darlene, to the Miami Dolphins for considering Rex Ryan potentially as their new head coach, which is something Armando Salguero put out there for the Miami Herald. Not great, but <laughs> yeah, two Rex Ryan conference calls a year. Um, I think I've had enough of a break from Rex Ryan where I'm all right. I'm, and, I think I'm ready. And again. some passive-aggressive shots at the Bills yeah, organization. That, that could be fun. Yeah. I mean, the Dolphins have been mildly lame over the last forever, mm-hmm. so... If they at least had a buffoon as a head coach, maybe they'd be a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. All right. So, here we are, everyone. The end of the 2018 season is here. On Monday, the Bills will go through their locker room clean-out. Probably won't put out a pod immediately tomorrow. I think we're probably going to wait till a little bit later in the week just to kind of space them out a little bit for you. But, um, but yeah, we will be potting nonetheless just to kind of wrap up the season, where they're going. We did a little bit of that today, but uh, where they're going, what to look for, everything along those lines. So once again, thank you all for making this such a fun season. Can't tell you how many tweets we collectively get about the pod. And that and to know that we are a part of your Bill's experience is, is a really, really cool and humbling thing. So thank you all for doing that. And uh, and for tolerating the times that we brought on the smut mouth Tim Graham, right? 
he did not make the appearance tonight, but he has probably not made his final appearance. No, no, definitely not. And, and as the offseason goes, we'll get we'll get a different cast of characters in here. We'll get our guy Tyler Dunn on. We'll, 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 do, we'll do a bunch of different stuff. We'll, we'll have some fun. It'll be onward and upward. The, the best is yet to come for the Bills Beat Podcast. Keep sending those tweets. Yes. Keep subscribing and unsubscribing and resubscribing <laughs> and giving five-star reviews. And maybe one day we'll get a customized Wayne Gabbard Bills jersey to give away on the podcast. Who knows? Who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> uh, it's It may be in the cards. All right. Really, guys and gals, thank you so much for listening. Um, thanks for making this fun. We will talk to you sometime in the middle of next week. But for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscaglia. For one last time in the year 2018, thank you all for listening to The Bills Beat. And we will talk to you next time. See ya.